See, I, I like to keep Easter a bit routine. I like to just be me. And who I am is every Sunday morning, I go down there and I go, which one doesn't need me to iron it? And I pick that. I did the same thing. I know y'all, y'all were up last night like, what should I wear? Not me. I kept it the same way. So that has nothing to do with the message. Uh, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Just confirming my personality. Um, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys here today and, and talk about Jesus. Uh, even if this is your first time hearing about Jesus, your first time stepping into church, uh, this is not scary. Uh, this, is, this is our Savior. This is who he is, and we get to talk about him today. I, I want to talk about a routine that I dislike first, though. There's a bunch of routines I don't like in, in life. Uh, one of them is the doctor. Uh, another one is the dentist. Most things having to do with my, my health I don't like doing. Uh, another is like going shopping for like socks or mouthwash or shampoo. I don't like doing any of those things. But, and you may, get, you may fit in all those categories. But here's a category you might not fit in. I don't like getting my oil changed. Okay? I, I strongly dislike getting my oil changed, most of all because of oil change guy. Okay? And I know I'm, I'm not equipped for the moment uh, with oil change guy. So oil change guy is the guy that's going to blow out of proportion every single thing on your car, even though you just went in for a routine oil change. You met, you met this person? Okay? He's going to hold up a tire. An, an enti- he's a very strong man, a very strong oil change guy. He just holds a tire like this. He's going to hold up a tire, and, and he's going to say, look, there, a quarter is supposed to fit into the tread. And only half the quarter fits in. And then he gets super dramatic. He's like, your entire family could slide off the road next time it rains. You're like, wow, that, that seems unlikely. It seems like you're, you're being a bit dramatic in the moment. And then he always pulls out the air filter because it's always dirty. You know why it's always dirty? Because it's in your engine. There's lots of stuff going on in there. He holds it up. He's like, look, it's dirty. You're like, can you just... Give it, a, give it the old shake, like maybe that'll, maybe that'll, you know, can you just give it a, a pat or two like you do with a shirt? Like it, it should be fine. No, your, your air is going to be dirty inside and outside the car. Like, okay. And he always has another, like another backup guy, another backup singer who comes along and he's like, look at, look at the air filter. And the guy's like, wow, that is, you know, and, and then he starts talking about other stuff, your O2 sensors uh, and your inner coil all of it's a mess, and I'm surprised you made it here. They're always surprised you made it there, that your car didn't have spontaneous combustion on the road and just blow up on the highway for no apparent reason. They're always shocked. So this is why I don't like it. One, because they always treat me and my wife differently, right? They always try to get one over on her, but she's a strong, she's a strong woman. She's not taking it, and I'm not taking it. But here, here's why I really don't like it. Because... I'm just going in for the most basic routine thing possible. Give me the most basic routine oil change possible. I don't want your premium oil that somehow makes your sound system sound better. I don't need that. Okay, I just want the Walmart oil, $28.99. You put it in, get me out of here. That's it. I don't need you to top off fluids I don't need you to do, I just want the most routine thing. And, and yet somehow I always leave there with them making me feel like I need a brand new car. Anybody? My car's 11 years old. I'm not concerned at this point. All right? It's, it's going to die. Who cares? Okay? But, but they, they always, I go in for a routine and they make me feel like I need a brand new car. Now, we're not talking about oil changes today, surprisingly. Uh, but I want you to sympathize with a group of women this morning who head toward a, a tomb for routine. 
And if you're a page flipper or a phone, phone scroller, we're going to be in Mark 16 today. Mark 16. And just sympathize with these women as they go in for a routine. Now, it's never routine when your friend dies. Okay? I'm, I'm not saying that part is routine. But the way they respond, they get their routine utensils, their routine spices, their routine oils. They go on a routine day. Uh, they, they, they avoid the Sabbath. They, they do everything routine because they're expecting a routine response from God and creation. And what they get is something totally different. This is Mark 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, uh, and Salome, I don't know how to say her name, bought, uh, brought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Signs of normalcy, okay? Signs of routine. They're, they're, they're not going on the Sabbath because that wouldn't be right on the Sabbath in their religious culture. Now, they believe this is Messiah, at least partially. And Messiah already told them, we'll find out next week as we go back to Mark 2, uh, Messiah already told them, like, the Sabbath is different. We view the Sabbath with different eyes, but they're keeping the routine and the religion of the culture, even though their they're Messiah, even though their Jesus has, has just died. So really, they're treating this as routine. They also bring spices. What would be routine is before three days is up, to make sure the body is, is, still, uh, uh, is still dead and not alive. That'd be freaky, but they, they check on it. And also routine, bring spices and oils to neutralize the smell. It's all very routine. It's a routine morning. Let's, let's get more of that. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? More routine. Most of us picture some huge tomb and some huge entrance, and you've got to be LeBron James to move the whole thing. And, but, but really, it's a small entrance. You have to crouch to get into the entrance of the tomb. And then when you get inside the inner chambers, then you could stand up. So it's not a huge doorway. But as soon as the stone is in the grooves, the slope groove, it'd be very hard for women to move this. And I'm not being sexist. It's just biology. It'd be hard for anybody to, to move it. Uh, and they didn't have CrossFit back in the day. Now, I don't know what today would be like. Lift with your legs and they might move. I don't really know. But, but back then, that was not really a core value of theirs. And so this is a routine question. Who's going to take care of this for us? Verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed, right? And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going, to be, uh, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. Pretty routine response to a crazy scenario. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. What happens when you go in for a routine, but you get a resurrection? What happens when you go in for a routine, but you get a resurrection? Meaning, you go in for a routine day, you go in for a routine truth, but you get a full-on resurrection of your Messiah, hundreds of prophecies fulfilled, and at the same time, the implications that come along with the resurrection. Most of us came in here for a routine day at church, right? Again, I kept it routine. Some of y'all, you got, you, got, you got a blazer on for the first time in the whole year. Uh, you know, some of the guys, I've never seen, I, you wear sweatpants. All of a sudden, you got a blazer on today trying to outdress the pastor. That's fine, that's fine. But you came in for a pretty routine resurrection Sunday, right? 
We're going to talk about resurrection. You knew what the, the, the topic was going to be. If, you, if you're a regular here, if you're a routiner here, you know there's going to be a certain amount of songs. There's going to be four, typically three before the message. We're going to stand up for that. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a chance to get a bagel. We're going to have a chance to get some coffee, drop our kids off. And then there's one song after the message. And when we get out of routine, you get upset. You're like, Pastor, that's five songs. I've seen it. You're like, Don't, there's brunch. The brunch is waiting for us. The restaurant was called. We need to get out of here. Like you get upset when the routine is out of order. You came in for routine today. I like routine. I like it. But what happens when Jesus drops a spiritual bomb on your routine? That's his intention. The resurrection drops a spiritual bomb on our routine and everything is different. Here's been my prayer all week. All week, every, every time I sat down with the staff or the leadership team or alone, my prayer all week has been, God, will you fill us anew with an old gospel? Will you fill us in a new way with an old gospel? See, because here's the thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's cyclical. It transforms over and over again. It's not stagnant. It's not linear. It's not a destination. It's something where you experience death and new life over and over and over again. It's a very unique truth in that it is a it is a repeat offender to our emotions, to our schedules, to our thoughts, to our life change. It is a repeat offender. It offends us once. It changes how we thought about life and people and relationships. And then it offends us again. It, it offends our sin once. And then it offends the sin again. And over and over again, this death and resurrection is cyclical. And it moves and it breathes inside of us. It's a very unique truth in this way. Not only is it, is it our staple truth, not only is it uh, everything in life flows downstream from this truth, not only is that true, but it's also true that it, it constantly ruins our life in a good way. It constantly picks us up, moves us around, transforms our life, and then puts us back down for a new cycle. That's our gospel truth. That's what God has done. And, and, and once it's not that way, once you hear this gospel and it's the same old, same old, then you know that you're living a distracted life full of idols, full of pride, full of stubbornness. And you, you know that this grace should move us again and again and something's wrong because it's not moving me right now. I'm praying for a new filling of an old truth, a new filling of an old truth. Would you pray with me? That prayer of expectation. Close your eyes. Bow your heads if you, if you want. God, um, we pray for a new filling of an old truth. I'm really praying for the people who really are hearing this gospel for the first time, maybe, maybe in a new way. They didn't know their entire life was supposed to be deceased. Like they're supposed to die again to this, this old life and they're supposed to resurrect into new life. They, did, they didn't know that. And so I pray that today it would be the first time that this, this truth really grabs roots. And then I pray for the Christian, the follower of Jesus who has been here for a long time, not just in this church, but just in this moment. They've, they've heard this gospel truth over and over again and yet still they become numb. They started to go through the motions they started to be distracted. We pray that you would flip their life upside down once again. That if they came in for a routine, they would leave with the resurrection. We pray for the baptisms that will happen later today. That the most blatant symbol of death and resurrection. We pray that those would be powerful and that they would encourage others to experience the same death and resurrection in Jesus Christ. 
We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, if you're just checking us out here on Easter Sunday, if it's your first time or, or you're not used to this, uh, what we like to do is read the scripture once. We, we like to, the scripture is in the driver's seat, okay? I am not, I'm not the leader of this church, Jesus is. The leadership is not the leadership of this church, Jesus is. His scriptures are alive, my words are not alive. And so we like to let the, the scriptures sit in the driver's seat. And so we like to pull it out, read it, read through it once, apply a little bit of it, uh, imply what it implies, and then come back to it and dissect it. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're back in chapter 16. Uh, and, and we're going to see these women go from routine to resurrection, and hopefully we can follow along with them. Verse 6, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. He was crucified. Then he was risen. Now he's not here. Okay, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't take you back to the crucifixion. Like, really take you back to the crucifixion. The crucifixion is part of the gospel. Right? Resurrection doesn't happen without crucifixion. Crucifixion and, and, and death doesn't, doesn't compel the resurrection. In other words, the gospel is both of these things. Both these things are historical events. And you can hinge your thoughts on this. Like, if the resurrection does not happen, this makes no sense. We should just go home. I mean, we're taking up a lot of Sundays here talking about something that isn't really life-transforming and isn't really the right gospel. This is the only gospel where the Savior resurrects from the dead and lives inside of us, and now we can spend eternity with him because he claimed to be God and he resurrected from the dead, and now we get to live with him in heaven. Okay? It's the only, it's the only gospel. So all of it hinges on death and resurrection. Now let's talk about this death, because these women they didn't just witness their, their Jesus die. They witnessed a horror show. A horror show. Let me just give you a couple quotes uh, it's not going to be up there. The ancient historian Josephus called the crucifixion the most wretched of deaths. Now, there were a lot of deaths back then. When Josephus is alive, uh, there's, there's impalement. Uh, oh, there any kids in here? Uh, okay, there's burning at the stake. Um, there's all sorts of deaths. He says the crucifixion is the most wretched of deaths. The Greek and Roman philosopher Cicero said that any decent Roman citizen uh, should not speak of the, the cross because it's too much for them to ponder this murderous death. In other words, don't even think of it or speak of it, because that's how gross it is. Uh, there are very few instances, I don't know if there's another instance actually, where an actual word was created for the pain that happens within crucifixion. The word excruciating is invented here, and it actually means from the cross. It literally translates from the cross. It's getting somber. <laughs> now, I, I, it's going to get... It's going to get a bit gross in here. I promise I have a real... I'm not just trying to ruin your day. I, I promise this is going somewhere and it's important. I don't, I don't know if there's another death or torture that is designed this way. The designer of this death is very intentional. The architect is very intentional. And that he wanted, or she, whoever created this, wanted, wanted this death to be slow and at eye level. They wanted this to be a participatory death. Okay, so some of us picture the cross way up high and it's in a distance and it's on a hill, but really the, the cross was at eye level so that you could enjoy their pain. Just think about this. Asphyxiation was the way of death during crucifixion so that you died slowly, so that you died with more and more with each, each, each breath, but, but not too fast. Because people wanted to throw things at you, mock you, spit at you. This is what our, I want you to feel what our Savior is going through. Um, this was actually post-scourging. 
Most people, not most, I, I could say some people historically actually died from the scourging and did not make it to the crucifixion because the scourging was so painful. The scourging was so ridiculous that people just died from that pain, from that shock. And what they would do is they would tie your, your, your hands above your head so that your ribs and your back were exposed. And then the Roman soldiers would pick and choose the weapon that they wanted to use next. While they were mocking you, while they were joking around, while they were giving you nicknames, it was like an evil, evil buffet. Now what are we going to choose next? And the most famous of weapons is the cat of nine tails or the scourge, or the Latin word flagellum. And this is a whip of, of different leather strands, and at the end of the, the strand is a, is a metal ball. They'd start out with the metal ball, and the metal ball would tenderize your skin like it was a steak. Because then they wanted the hooks at the end of this, the metal hooks and the metal bone at the end of this, to grab the most flesh. In historical cases, we actually had people uh, getting, getting rib pulled out, bone fragments pulled out. This is what Jesus went through. And I, I didn't even talk about the crown of thorns. I didn't even cr- talk about the spitting and the mocking and the names they specifically called Jesus uh, and the fact that he was wearing a, a, a tunic which would, which would pull on every wound, every movement he made. I tell you this not, again, to gross you out, but to tell you this is not a routine death. It's not a routine God. It's not a routine gospel. It's not a routine love. And the moment it becomes routine for you, you have to step back and go, I'm not really taking in the grace of my God. The moment this death is not moving your emotion in a new way, moving your mercy, your grace in a new way, the moment that the death of Jesus has no implications on your daily living, your daily walk, what you're thinking, how you treat people, how you sacrifice for people, how you're married, how you treat your friendships, the moment that the death of Jesus has, has no bearing in your life, that's the moment you know it's become way too routine. And I need to sit alone with God. I need to ponder the death of Jesus and what he went through, what my Savior went through for me. A new grace should sink in every time you hear it. A new emotion should be birthed. A new gratitude every time you hear about the death of Jesus. And there are many implications from the death of Jesus. One being that you are now rescued from sin. All of your sins are wiped clean. All of your sins that were crimson are now white as snow. That's, that's one, of, one of the implications. But another implication is that you no longer have to live dead anymore. You no longer have to be the walking dead anymore. Do you guys remember the phase that we went through as a, a nation uh, where it was like the walking dead was huge? It was like a huge zombie phase. We do this as America, don't we? We pick like a certain villain, a certain evil, and then we obsess over that. Like for, for a time it was vampires. And not like mean vampires that want to bite your neck, but like the ones that look good and go to high school dances and they fight werewolves. Do you remember this? Every, every one of us had posters of these guys with their shirts, uh, not me. Uh, you know, but this, this was our obsession. And we go through like, we do this for like 10 years. We read books. There's seven movies about it. All the movies are successful. And then we went through this zombie phase, this zombie apocalypse phase. Uh, and I remember walking, uh, watching The Walking Dead. I'm like a season in, and I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me or God speak to me like, is this helpful to your soul? You know, the moment where there's like an axe and a zombie. 
I just felt like this is not this is not super helpful for my relationship with God, my growth as a human being. It's not really helpful. And no, no TV really is. And I'm not saying that you have to stop watching The Walking Dead to be holy. I'm not saying any of that. I was just saying in that moment, I decided this is probably not good for my soul. And so I'm just going to get rid of this, this show in my life. But, but during that show, I had a bunch of thoughts about how we, how we equate to zombies. I know. It's just, why am I the way that I am? I just am that way. And so y'all have to deal with it, okay? But I had a bunch of thoughts about how we're kind of similar I started to ask questions of the zombie, like, do y'all know that you're dead? Do y'all understand that you're not really accomplishing anything but consuming? Like, that's all they lived for was to consume and to eat. Do, do, do y'all know that you're resurrected and you could stop eating people? Like, you, you have a new chance at life. You could stop chasing people and eating people. Like, these are some of the weird thoughts that I had. And then I started to think, like, what if, what if they are just that? The Walking Dead. And what if Christianity in America had a name for this century? Would it be The Walking Dead? Because half of us don't even know that we're just walking dead. We haven't really bought into this gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've never really died to our old life. We did Maybe, maybe we did like a youth retreat thing and it was pretty emotional and there were songs and we went forward and we prayed a prayer and that was it. Now we go to church once in a while, we go through the motions, but that, that's, kind of, that's kind of it. And we don't even know that we're walking dead. We don't even know that we're just busy consuming still. Like even though we've been saved by grace and, and we have faith in Jesus and we have all this power that lives inside of us, we don't even know that really our only mission in life right now is to consume. We make money, we consume. We make money, we consume. We make money, we consume. And we just kind of go through the motions. And we don't even know that we're walking dead. If you want to experience the resurrection of Jesus this morning and live it out, you have to die first. You can't have one without the other. Paul puts it this way. This is Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. How radical is that? It's no longer I who live. It's just a shell now. I I have the same shell, I wear the same clothes pretty much, but I'm pretty much the same uh, on the outside, but it's everything on the inside. It's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. See, my flesh is still here, my body is still here, but now I I, I die to the old life and I live in in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul takes it next level. He's like, I'm dead, dead. My old life is dead, dead. It's dead and gone. Uh, The only thing that's left is just my shell. I actually changed my name. He went from Saul to Paul. Like God changed his name for him just to know that old life is totally gone. You got a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And, And can you say that? Can you say that? Like, just, just come to face with reality because that's the way you can really die to your old life and come into new life. Can you say that your old life is totally gone? I got a test. I got a test for you this morning. I got a bunch of questions. You tell me if you fit into that test, okay? And, and we're going to find out, is your old self dead, dead? Okay, is it crucified? Uh, here, here's some of the questions. Is the way you treat the opposite sex the exact same way? Whether you think about them that way or, or you treat them with words, the same, is it the exact same way? Or has it totally changed? How about people in general? Do you treat people totally different? Or is it pretty similar? Money, clothes, time, are all those things pretty similar? 
Are you a victim everywhere you go? Are you still caught up in drama everywhere you go? You're like a beehive, just drama just follows you. Do you still have 20 people you have not forgiven? Do you still have a bunch of old wounds that are still there? They're still festering. You haven't allowed the gospel to, 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 to cover up those wounds, to transform those wounds, to heal those wounds. Are you still addicted to a secret thing? Are you still addicted to bitterness? Are you still a gossip? Do you still have anger issues all the time? Do you still handle confrontation really poorly? Is your pride still next level and like a staple of your life? Is it always everyone else's fault? This is walking dead stuff. Now, hear me out. Everyone has the right to be under construction. I got a sign in my life. It's right in front of me and it says, under construction. I got you. Everyone has the right to be a work in progress. But to be a work in progress, you actually have to make progress. Right? Has to be some sort of progress. So if you're addicted to the same thing you were 10 years ago, where is the progress? Where's the death to that thing? Where's the resurrection? If you're treating people and yourself and your identity the same exact way from six years ago, where's where's the progress? Did Jesus, did you die to something? Have you resurrected in Jesus? Not if you're the same. There's got to be some sort of progress. Some sort of, they call it sanctification, right? The process of becoming more like Jesus every day. For sure, you're going you're gonna to take a couple steps backward. But there better be three steps forward at some point. Because you got Jesus living inside of you. And, it, and, if, and if here, look, if it's the same, if that thing is the same, you have not died to it. And if you're 40 years into Christianity and you're like, I got nothing left to die to, well, then you won't die to it because you're stubborn and prideful. But you got to go back and go, God, what needs to die again? I, mean, I can feel it. I can feel it in the room. Like, we want resurrection. I want resurrection. We want to live with resurrected power. We want to be brand new in Jesus Christ. That's why they call it born again. We want to die to our old life and become uh, brand new in Christ Jesus. But we have to actually die to our old life. I see so many people, they're trying to walk into new life with a backpack full of dead stuff. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it works. You've got to die to this. I died so that you could die. That thing is holding you bondage. It's like going through the airport security. Another routine that I hate. Right? I mean, what, what other routine do you have to start taking stuff off to go somewhere in front of people? And you're in your socks and you're like beltless. It's like, what is this? Sorry, that's not the, yeah. But this is, how, this is how it feels. We want to get on that plane, right? We want, we want this to be our trajectory. We want to go up. We want to resurrect in Jesus Christ. But we're at that thing, and we got a backpack, and that thing is full of dead stuff that we're not willing to let go of, and we just we put it through the, the little, little belt, and it gets through the little monitoring system, and Jesus is like, Mer. no. No, that, that, that's not part of my kingdom. That addiction, that thing, you got to die to that. That the way you're treating that person, the, the way you're holding on to that thing, the way you're, you're the master of that thing, you're the leader of that part of your life, that's dead stuff. You can't hold on to that. you got to let it go. And then you can come right through into brand new life with me, resurrect with me. If that's you, if you want true resurrection this morning, it's yours to be had. The, the seven most beautiful words in this, in this passage uh, bear repeating. We'll throw it back up there. He has risen. He is not here. 
You came in for routine, but you can have resurrection. Watch this in Colossians. Next one. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Like it's cyclical. Think about such things, right? Think, put your mind on these things where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind. Like you have, you have the dial. It's your dial. It's nobody else's. Nobody else has the dial of your mind. It's your button. It's your dial. Put the mind dial on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Die to the old things. Resurrect in Jesus. And then act like it. A.K. Act like you've been resurrected in Jesus Christ because you have been. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Act like it. Which means there there are so many implications. We're just going to go through like three at the end of today. But there are so many implications now that you're resurrected in Jesus. So many. You get to live with them. You get to access them. You get to have them. They're they're yours. Um, And before we get there, I I just want to, I want you to tell a neighbor, act like it. Go ahead, tell a neighbor. My goodness. We resurrected in Jesus and we're whispering. Tell a neighbor, act like it. There you go. Act like it, man. All right, here's what we need to act like. Here's what we need to act like. And, and it has to be AK. We're not spelling this thing ACT. It's got to have a little attitude to it. Act like it, okay? Here's the first one. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you rest in it? <laughs> Would you find joy in it? No one can take Jesus from you. No one can condemn you to hell or to sin or to anything. You are now a son or a daughter of God and there's no condom, no matter what you do or who you do it with, it's not over. Where you start losing is if you submit to sin as if it starts to win. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but, but hear what I'm saying, okay? When you start losing is when you submit to sin as if it has the power to condemn you. And then you sulk and you whine and you tell yourself, I'm never getting out of this. Well, do you have Jesus resurrected in you or not? Does, does his forgiveness cover everything or not? There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. And so when you sin, just give it a little, dang it, didn't want to do that. Jesus, I submit to you, help me, Jesus. Maybe you need to confess it to a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you need to take extra steps. But now you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you can resurrect into new life. You can die to that thing, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what Satan's going to do when you sin is go, you're the worst, you can't get out of this. You'll never win. That relationship will always stink. He'll just he'll start. And once you start buying that and purchasing that, then you're done. But once you step into your power and childhood of God and say, no, I'm not done. Jesus, this is what Jesus died for. I'm not going to put him back on the cross. It was already painful enough. He died for this. His blood covers all of this. And so I'm going to win. It might take me a while, but dang it, I'm going to win. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Next one. You can be alive now. Man, some of y'all like Eeyore from, from Winnie the Pooh. It's like, how you doing? Well, I got a ticket last week. It's like, what is it? 50 bucks, relax. Your life is not falling apart. You can be alive now. You can have perspective now. You can have a live perspective now. You can have resurrection perspective now. Christ lives in you. Christ resurrects you, right? Meaning, there's no mountains in your life. There's only hurdles. 
okay? Mountains are things that we feel like we'll never climb. Hurdles are things that we go, okay, this is going to be tough, but I, I can do this in Jesus. Jesus has this. Jesus wins in the end. I spend eternity with Jesus. There, there's no mountains. There's just hurdles. Some things will feel like a mountain, but, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you just kind of submit to this idea that nothing's ever wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that lie about your pain. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying whatever it is in the scope of eternity, you got this in Christ Jesus. Last one, you are filled. This is what we've been expecting and anticipating for the last four months. We've talked about how much we want the Holy Spirit and now you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you surrender your life to Jesus, and, and some, some places and some denominations will have you think that you have to do something like speak in tongues in order to get the Holy Spirit. But that's not true. If you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, like really surrender, you can now be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's with you. Now you don't have to depend on your own talent, your own giftings, your own strength, your own conscience. God has given you a person. God calls him a, a deposit. Worship team, you can come up here. When I think of someone really powerful, when I think of someone who's living with the, the power of the resurrection, I think of someone who's never too high and never too low. You ever meet these people? I admire people like this. They're never too high. They're never cocky. Because they know that just around the corner is something they probably need to die to. Right? This is, this is who these people are. And they're never too low. They're never defeated. They're not a victim. Because they have Jesus. These are the powerful people that I think of. You ever look at someone and you're like, I can't believe they just stay like this. Now, they got, they got a little bit of this. They're alive, but they just kind of stay like this. They're never too high. They're never cocky. They're never braggadocious. They never think it's because of them. They always think it's because of Jesus. And there's always something that they're humble enough to die to and submit to Jesus. But then they're also never too low. They're never defeated. They're never walking around like Eeyore. They're never just whining about life. They're not a big whiny pants. They're just, they're just saying, Jesus is here. I got this. It's hard right now, but, but Jesus is with me. Holy Spirit is filling me. We, these are the people that I think about. These are the people I want to be. In just a few moments after we, we take some communion, we're also going to head downstairs for a baptism. And baptism is the most blatant picture of this. That's what baptism is about. That's why we immerse people. We put them under the water, which we've made warmer <clears throat> this time. Praise God. We put them under the water because that is a symbol in public of their death. Their public walking of the plank. And we bring them up because they're brand new in Christ Jesus. And this has already happened inside them, but now they're like, hello, this is who I am to everybody. They're, pro they're just proud of that. That's what this is about. So we're going to witness that. For me, today is a great day. Not only we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, but we get to witness it. Um, let's take com some communion first. Right before Jesus goes to his death, he sits down with his disciples and he, he asks them to take this bread, which means his body, and this wine, this cup, which means his blood, and really take it in, really experience it. And then he asks them whenever they get together and do this to think and reflect on his gospel, his death, his resurrection. And so that's what we're going to do today. 
Um, and, and there's two tables up here. Um, typically, that's our, our response table today. It's just a communion table. Uh, we don't have time to stay up here after the service. Uh, but this, this half can, in this way, can go that way. And this half, and this way, can go this way. Okay? Uh, and, and while they play through the first bit of the song, why don't you just get communion? Uh, and this is a take and dip. Okay? Trying to get your fingers all up in that thing. Just got a little cracker. Don't be, don't be, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. You don't need to immerse the cracker, all right? This is not baptism of cracker. Just, just take a little dip uh, and then sit back in your, down in your seat and we'll, we'll take communion together. So the gospel is meant to be very experiential, very thought-provoking, and he wants you to have what he has. And so he does this with the disciples. He says, take this. It's my body. That's what he says in Mark. And then he says, take this. It's my blood. He wants you to experience his death along with him. And so as we do that, we experience death to our own life together. Why don't you take that? God, I pray for the souls in the room, the thoughts in the room. I pray that today we would experience death in you resurrection today is a celebration of life that we don't have to live that way any longer now we get to live in you we get to have Christ Holy Spirit in us we love you Jesus we thank you for dying for us for going through the most wretched of deaths and we thank you that death could not hold you and those words ring true he's not here not here. We celebrate being alive today in Jesus Christ. Amen.